0: Hello and welcome back to the Next Dialcast podcast. It's great to have you guys listening in. So bringing you all the information about Dial Square. It's great to be back with you, Adam. How are you doing?
1: Oh, very well. Thank you, Chris. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. A bit disappointed about the uh, game being called off a few weeks ago against the University of Surrey, I guess. Maybe a bit scared against playing against us.
1: Yeah, sounds that way. Obviously, uh, a bit disappointing for us. We had our score predictions at the ready, and uh, we'll never know until the uh, you know the game's eventually played whether we were correct or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I wanted to see if we were right. It was um, great having the podcast on uh, last time, but this time we've finally coming into the podcast. Listen to our last pod, asking any fans involved, and Dave here he is straight on it. Wants to join the podcast. Welcome you in, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having us on. No worries. It's great to have you on. I'm great, thank you. I'm more excited to talk about you. Talk about, I guess, your love of football and
2: growing up. First of all, let's let's hear yeah. about it. Then, did you play as a kid? Yeah, I, I was. I loved it from the start. But I think it comes from the fact that when I when I was really young, I weren't allowed to play. I was when I was two years old. I was diagnosed with with having severe asthma, and that was that was back in 1971, where you know it was virtually unheard of. It ain't as common as it was now. So I've got visions of being at school and I'm sitting on a swing with the teacher watching me because I'm not allowed to do games. All my mates and my pals are next door playing football, but I were not allowed to. And I just wanted to get across and, and play. I mean, I I had an asthma attack in them days. It used to last for two or three days. So when I finally got me an inhaler when I was about seven years old, um, you know, they hand them out like smarties today. But in those days, it was quite a new thing. And the first thing I wanted to do was just play football. I wanted it to be like, like my mates. I wanted it to feel normal. Um, and I just loved it. I loved I loved being part of it. And the first team I played with was, it was a Cub Scout. So I was, I was in the old rubber dubs. I was in uh, First Cardigan War Spite, which was a Sea Scout group. I've done a lot of boats. I ain't a great swimmer. But, you know, going there, I learned a few Few life skills, and um, they had a football team, which is the main reason I went there. I was just ran down the end of my road, and ended up playing for them. I played in goal, um, but I loved it, you know. And, and then after a while, I wanted to, I wanted a glory. I wanted I wanted to be out on pitch and score a few goals. So I went up, and I you know I have to say I did know where the net was. I did, I did, I did score a few, and then I, my first boys' club. I played for a team called L'Oreal Boys, and we played Saturdays and Sundays. The first year I was here, we won the Saturday League. We come second in the Sunday League. And then at the end of the season, we played two cup finals in two days and won them both. Um, and I just couldn't wait for the weekends to come around quick enough. You know, I, I just love playing. I, I played for Manor Rangers. I played for a team called Stony. I played for my school, my secondary school. That was school. That was a good team. We had a really good team there. Um, I, didn't, I didn't stop playing when I was about, I don't know, 16, 17, as you do. But I was brought out of retirement when I was about 22, 23. The fella across the road, he ran a youth team that, that had just finished. Uh, they'd just come out in the under-18s and were going into senior football for the first time. And he, he knew I used to play, knew how, you knew I used to be a little bit tasty. And he wanted just like a couple of older heads in the team. You know, going into senior football, people that wouldn't get intimidated and can help the uh, the younger lads. And this is my client of fame, or one of my client of fame. I reckon I've got one of the best scoring rates. I think in the Ryman League, it was either the Ryman or the Ishmian, one of the Ishmians. Um, but I played for Inchley Woods and I played with a Sunday team. And one midweek we had we had a we had to meet up for a game and the first team were there as well, they were playing. And like, so, I can't remember what league they were in, Ryman or Ishmun, whatever. And they were a couple of players short. So, me and this other fella I had to go and play for them. And they stuck me up front and I scored two tappings. So, you know, one game, two goals, that's a 200% strike rate. There can't be many people about with that sort of strike rate. So, yeah, that's one, that's one of my claims to fame. I played for a couple of years and and that was it. The old body started to, to fail on me. You know, I'd, I'd play on the on the Sunday on, or the Saturday and I'd you know, still be walking... With that attractive looking limp, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and that was the time to call it a day. But yeah, I I loved everything about it. I loved loved the weekends. I loved playing. I loved watching it. It just became, you know, a a massive part of my life.
0: Oh, brilliant. It's great to hear the stories and great to hear those two goals. Yeah, probably averaging probably the best scoring ratio in the league, which is incredible. Forget
2: forget the guns. Forget the one game. It's a 200% strike rate. That's what I tell people.
0: <laughs> Goal every 45 minutes,
1: yeah, Ingr- exactly.
0: Incredible
2: statistics on Dave. Might need to sign you up front for dial. Well, oh, blimey, no, no, no. My playing days are long gone. A la- lot. The last time I played, actually, I'll tell a lie, I, pl- I played in a works team. Um, it was a little five a side, and it felt like someone went through the back of me, but you know, and I'm on the floor you know, calling everybody all the names under the sun and they're all going, what you, you know, what are you talking about? There's no one near you. I'll actually snap my Achilles, which is, it was, I'll, I'll spend 12 weeks in plaster. So, yeah, my, my playing days are uh, are well and truly long gone. Decades gone.
0: The body just fading away, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, if you're going to go out, go out probably.
0: <laughs> so, you mentioned the many moments of different clubs. Could you narrow down to, say, maybe your highlight or... Best memory you mentioned winning different cups with different clubs. What was your was, favorite memory playing football? It,
2: it was it was those two cup finals in two days. It was me, it was my me first medals, if you like. Um, you know, only you know the only little plastic shields, you know, with a with a badges glued on. But I, that that was that was what it was about. You know, I, I I just I loved playing. It didn't matter win, lose, or draw. You know, I, I just wanted to be out there and, and those days with Oreo, we had such a good team. We was only you know, young kids, but it was all the dads on the line and they used to, you know, after the time, you could hear them all laughing, and joke, you know, were enjoying themselves. It was like a social thing as well. And then after the game, you know, the, the, we'd go in a pub and, and, and act stupid on Coca-Cola and that while, while our parents are having a few pints. But it wasn't it, was, it, it weren't just the game, it was the whole the whole package, if you like, the whole experience.
0: Yeah, the family field, the, the bars of playing football with others, isn't it? The friendships. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like, that You can make from it, it just sounds great. Sounds like you had a great, um, yeah, playing time when you're growing up. What about then
2: supporting a team? Do you have a football team? Yeah, there was, there was only ever going to be one club. Um, my, my great grandfather was groundsman at ivory back in the 1920s. Um, and I used to live on Gillespie Road just beyond the north bank. And when he died, my, my nan and her seven brothers and sisters and my great nan. Used to wash the Arsenal kit twice a week with a washboard and mango in the back garden. Um, she then went into the army when she, when she got a bit older and she met my, my granddad, um, who was an Islington boy and Arsenal fan. So I was an Arsenal fan long before my dad was born. And the one thing my granddad always used to say was, you know, the Arsenal way. Everything had to be the Arsenal way which meant, you know, you did things properly, you did things properly first time, you know, he was ex-military as well, so everything was, had to be done perfectly the first time. You had to do it with a bit of pride, you had to do it with a bit of humility, you had to do it, um, you know, it was, it was just about how you conducted yourself more than anything. And he took me to my first game in 1978 when my dad, uh, and they played Bristol City. I, I remember, I knew we was in the East Stand, and the only reason I know that is because when I looked right, it was dark. And when I looked left, it was light. So the dark end would have been the north bank with a cover on it. And the, to the left would have been the clock end, which was open. But, you yeah, know, I I, I I couldn't wait to get there again. You know, every Sunday morning, I go belting down the stairs, you know, get the paper that had been delivered, look up the fixtures. And if Arsenal were playing at home, then I'd just badger my dad all week, you know, please take me, please take me um until I you know I was old enough to, to go on my own or go with my mates. But it was it was it was all about Arsenal. You know, I had the the, the posters on my wall out of shoot magazine but I was old enough to remember, you know, the stickers on my school books. And uh, the fella across the road, he was a big Arsenal fan and he he it was after I think it was after the cup final in, in 78 or 79 he he brought me over this Arsenal shirt, what you call a retro shirt now, with the big long white sleeves and my mum cut up an old bed sheet, she cut a number seven out and sewed it on my back and that was it, I was Liam Brady. And that, that shirt just stayed on my back for, for days at a time. It never come off, but yeah, I, I, I sort of fell in love with the club. It was, you know, that um singing fever pitch when he goes out and he looks at the pitch and goes, you know, wow, that, that was exactly how I felt and, and that was it, I was hooked from that minute.
0: Amazing. You mentioned their hybrid and the, the impact, I guess, your family have had, your granddads, and that, that the tradition of the uh, stadium. How was it then for you then moving into the Emirates? Did you, um, yeah, was it a, a bad thing for you?
2: It was, yeah. I, I've, I've never agreed with it. Um, I'm going to be honest. What, what, what I'm doing before I answer this question, I just want to, I suppose I better put it out there. I'll, I'll give you my reasons. I don't necessarily speak for everyone at Dial. Um, If you ask them, they might come out with something similar. They might come out with something completely different. I just want to put that out there. Um, And and the other thing is I'm an Arsenal fan. You know, every year I want them to to win the the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Grand National, the Eurovision song on this. I want them to win a lot. Um, I support the 11 players on the pitch, whoever they are, and I support the manager, whoever he is, and the coaching staff. But I've got, I've got issues with other areas of the club, which, you know, if you want me to talk about them, I'm happy to talk about them. Um, you know, for me, back in, the, you know, when, when I was when I was going back in the 80s, it was, the match was just part of the experience. It was, there was, um, it was a feeling. And I'm sure the away fans know what I'm talking about. And there'd be pockets of the home fans that still know what I'm talking about. It was, it didn't matter what your social situation was. It didn't matter how you were doing at work or how you were doing at school. It didn't matter how much money you had in your pocket. It didn't matter if you were black, white, gay, straight, male, female. At some point on a Saturday, when, when the games used to be 3 o'clock Saturday, at some point in the day on the way, on the way to Waverick, whatever your social situation, it might have been walking out the door, it might have been walking down to the station, it might have been getting on the train and meeting your mates, you might have been walking to the ground, walking to the pub, whatever at some point in your journey, whatever your social situation was, your life went on hold and you became the Arsenal. It was a feeling. It was like you become part of a family or, or part of a, like a big machine. And I think that feeling is disintegrated. It it, it started, it's, it's still there. It's, it's still there. Like I say with pockets and I'm sure the away fans can relate to that. Um, but generally I think it's disintegrating and it, it, it it sort of went when the suits went into library for me. Again, this is my personal, personal feeling. You know, I didn't go the first time the suits went into library. We know what it was. That was legislation. And yet, and I remember my first game. It wasn't the first season because I had the mural up. But when I when I reopened the North Bank, I remember you know going in there and I was looking for faces. I saw a few faces, but hardly anyone that I, that I used to recognise. And you was all sat in nice neat rows. You were told to sit down, and in a way, I felt like I was back at school doing an exam. And the one thing I noticed above all else is I could hear the referee's whistle. I couldn't believe how loud it was because on the old North Bank, you didn't have a clue. It, you know what's going on here? The linesman's got his flag up. What's happening? I don't know. You know, keep watching. But it was it was so it just lost that piece of magic. It lost that piece of uh, whistle. I can't even think of a word. It was it was it was the experience. And then we moved to the Emirates, and that wasn't for legislation. That was for other reasons, you know. And I remember my first game there. I didn't go to a league game. It was a Champions League game, I think, against Porto. And from the very first minute, it rang an alarm bell because they, they said, oh, we carried the traditions over. And I was thinking, oh, you know, there's going to be a good few traditions over there. And the first thing I noticed was they didn't call it the clock in the North Bank. It was a North Stand and, and, the, and South Stand. And I, I'll be honest with you, personally, I can't call that the, the North Bank. It's, it's the North End of the Emirates, you know. Um, but I thought if they're carrying on traditions, I've missed a big trick here from the start. And it was a big, big alarm bell for me. And when I was speaking to people, I, I, I was speaking to a few, uh, few other fans that were in there. And I just got the feeling that a lot of people, this, this wasn't just this game, but this was a few after as well. It just seemed to me there was a lot of people that, saw their ticket as a status symbol rather than something that was in their blood. That's how I personally felt. And I, it, just didn't, it just didn't feel right. It didn't sit well with me. I couldn't believe how quiet it was as well. It was even quieter than the first time the seats went in the library. Um, and I, I, I decided I was gonna try and do some other things. You know, I was still going to see Arsenal, it was still my team. I still, you know, wanted it, want it to go and see him, but the experience had lost something for me. So, the first thing I did, I always wanted to go and do the 92. So, I tried to break the world record for doing the 92, which I missed by three games. I didn't even hold it for 24 hours. I got to 89 grounds in about, it was just over two seasons. And when I was on 89, someone went and did it in one season and set the records. Um, but... What you notice during the 92, and, and you know, I've done, I've done a few non-league grounds as well, you notice as you go down that the connection between the club and the fans is a lot stronger as you go down the, down the pyramids. You know, the, the elite clubs, not just Arsenal, but a lot of the elite clubs, you know, you, you're, you seem to be a membership number with, with deep pockets. Whereas as you go down, you know, they're a lot more thankful that you're there, that, you know, you put a £10 note across the counter and, you, you know, they say thank you. Um, and they seem grateful for your money, and it, it just seems a lot more personal. And and the other thing I can't stand, and I'll be, you know, this might upset a few people, but I bet there's a few people that know what I'm talking about. There's there's a type of fan that annoys me. Um, and it, it aren't you ones that get behind, you know, you, you should get behind your team. You should you should go there, and no matter what happens, get behind your, your your team. But there seems to be this fan out there that that can't tell the difference between a game of football and a game of FIFA on the PlayStation. You know, they, if they're not 5 0 up, they want the manager sacked and they want they're going to call out this player and demand we spend 50 mil on another player. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll dig out the player's wife in the supermarket. And I can't stand that. I can't, I I'll have to distance myself. It just don't sit right with me. Um, and not only that, this type of fan plays up to the ball. If you've got balls that want to shift large amounts of money, um, you know, even through the front door, or let's not be naive. through the back door as well. You know, if if you're going to, you need a, a little bit of, an, a, of, of a reason. You need an alibi. And so what you got, you got a fan base the mind you spend large amounts of money. They're, they're absolutely spoon-feeding it to them. And, you know, I, I just lost interest with the elite games. So, you know, do I go to, to 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 games there? Yeah, of course I do. I, I still go to the odd game there. Um, will I go again? Yeah, of course I'll go again. You know, it's not like a light switch. You can't just, you know, any football fan will tell you You can't just turn it on and off. But I've I've just become so disinterested in the in, in the top flight games. I'll go there if I've got to do a stadium to keep the ninety two up. Like I went to Brentford earlier in the season just to keep it going. And before the lockdown, I went to that big lump in Edmonton just to, just to watch him get knocked out by Norwich in the FA Cup. That was good. Um, but other than that, no, I'll, I'll leave the top flight alone.
1: Talk about that connection there, uh, Dave. Is that sort of what sort of sells Dal Square? And, and how did you he- hear about Dar Square? And obviously, was that sort of the main reason why you came to support this team?
2: Yeah, I mean, i uh, will be on. Look, I worked with a bloke called James Audsens, cracking bloke. He's a mate of mine, and he, he 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 knew my situation, knew I loved me football, knew i would become a bit disenCHANTED with uh, with the top flight. And he, um, they got a two in the mid-room. He Him and his mates got a two in the and he said, "You fancy coming down here?" I, I um. I think you'd enjoy it, you know, and I live around the corner, and I, I really enjoyed it, it was so much more personal, you know, the people on the gates were, were, were more friendly to you, you could sit there and have a beer with the players, um, they were a cracking bunch of lads down in the I know they've had a rough start of this season, but I hope, I, I hope they do well and I don't want to pull themselves out of it, Um, but I walked into work one day and Jamie says to me, what do you know about Dale Square? You know, and and out came the Anorak side of me, you know, oh yeah, 1886 and, you know, Woolwich Barracks and the Armaments Factory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He said, no, he said, "Dale Square, the football club, the one that's just started. I said, what are you talking about? And he'd been listening to um, Cathedral Sports, the podcast, which was done by Ash Wilson. And... He explained a, a bit about it and I thought, yeah, this, this sounds like, you know, this sounds like it's got legs, this, this, uh, this is something I could really get involved in. So I went down, did a bit of background on it and, you know, I, I, I looked at Stuart's vision and what he wanted to achieve and, and it's it just something that really excited me. And I lived, I lived in Tooting, I lived in Wimbledon and for a while I lived in New Malden as well, just up the road in Kingsmeadow where AFC Wimbledon were playing, coming through the Pyramid.
1: I now live in Collier's Wood. You walk
2: out my door and 10 minutes down the road, I'm at Plough Lane, the new stadium, you know, which is a stone's throw from their, from their old ground, their old home. So I've seen what a fan-based club with the right people and the right, the right ambition can achieve. You know, it was, I know it's different circumstances with Wimbledon, but if, if Dile Square can achieve half you know, of what I has already achieved, then it, it's a very exciting prospect.
1: Uh, we've seen your flag at flag at, flag at games and uh, do you want to talk about that and uh, sort of when you when you brought that into uh, to games initially
2: yeah we wanted a, that that's 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 mine and jones's again we was we we wanted a flag to put up with, and jones come up with a free bar design uh, didn't want a st George's flag we wanted something a little bit different so found a company that could do the colour before anything so yeah it's just dial square at the top and then I'll put the the the, the Badges across the middle, the cannon, the poppy and, and the dark square badge. And then James came up with that, that cracking line on the bottom, keep greed out of football with a hashtag, which is a, it's a universal thing. You know, it's not specific to Arsenal. It's a universal statement, if you like. So, yeah, that goes up. We've got, got my little spot every home game. And away games, if, we, if there's anywhere to hang it. We've had a couple of games, where we've had nowhere to hang it. But, uh, yeah, it goes up away games as well. It also went up in the Falcon pub after the game, which, you know, there's a few looks, but, you know, never mind.
1: And you talk about that uh, Farncombe game. In terms of, like, this season so far, has there been sort of a favourite game that's really stuck out in your memory? Uh,
2: there's been... Oh, oh, blimey, I'll tell you what, there's been so many good moments. It's... If you look at pre-season, we had what I call basketball games. You know, you have the ball going, score, and then we'll have it back, we'll score the other end, and, you know, on you go. And there were some cracking scorelines. The, 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 the Ottershaw game... Was a, was a good one, It were, we were 3-0 down and out on our feet and then I think it, I think it was Big Dex, he put in this tackle, it was like getting hit by an Arctic and he seemed to lift everybody and, and Marky Watkins hit, hit a free kick in from about 35 yards wrong, at so the postage stamp and, and Dial just came back and we, we ended up winning 6-5, but Every single game, he's had a good point. Even the loss we had to Lylem, I think that, you know, in hindsight, I think that did us a bit of good. I know it sounds a strange thing to say, but I think it knocked us down a peg. And we suddenly, you know, I think that made us realise, there's some good teams out there, you know, and there's teams that want to want to knock us down. Um, and I honestly think if we hadn't played that game against Lylem, if we, if we hadn't lost that, we wouldn't have got the clean sheet against University of Surrey. But uh, my two favourite games, without a doubt, have been the last two. Because the the, the away one at Orsley, the 6-1, that's the first game, I think, all season, where I, I can say we dominated for 90 minutes and dominated as a unit. You know, the, the, the defence, the midfield, the forwards, all in tune, all playing as, as, as one unit. And then my favourite game was the next one uh, against Abbey Rangers in the Cup. That was... We didn't have it all our own way. They were, they were a really good side there. But if they was in our league, they'd be top, I think. They were a better side than Leyland. And again, we just keep pl- we kept playing as a unit. And even when it was going against us, we kept going. And, and we, you know, two two, minute, two moments of brilliance from Mark Watkins. You know, if, if Lionel Messi would have scored them two goals, they'd, they'd have been on the back pages for days. Um, but that, that for me was the best game We took out a very, very good side Just with, with, with determination and, 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 and the way we'd improved over the last few games
1: You talk about togetherness um, Let's sort of reference the fans um, If you're sort of a, someone on the outside now That, that doesn't know much about Dal Square If you sort of trying to encourage them to come to games What would, you sort of, what would your message be to them?
2: What my message is, is Forget where we are in the pyramid For, for where we are We've got a ridiculously brilliant fan base, in my opinion. We've, we've, you know, I go to the games. I'm lucky enough that I've got the time and a, a semi-understanding missus that gives me the time to go to the games. But we've already gone international. You know, we got we got Sven and Harold in the Scandinavian fan club, and they're on social media, and they get involved. And you got to read their match reports on a Monday because I, I think they're brilliant. You know, we got we got John in the American fan club that I understand that they were. You know, also, we're getting the streaming equipment so we can stream our games. Um, and then you look at the guys that come to the, to the, to the games, and apologies if I miss anybody out, but you know, you spoke to Johnny Burgess a couple of weeks ago. He comes over from Ireland with his two boys, Cameron and Harry. They, they come over as well. You've got Ryan that comes down from Sheffield, you know, pulled it that's in Chelmsford. He, he sorted out a group chat so we could all keep in contact with each other. You know, you got my partner in crime on the touchline, Mr. Mark Brewer and his dad, Alan, that come down. They come up from Alien Island every week. Um, you know, I mentioned my mate, James, he's, he's got a, a hectic family life. He's, he goes to two other clubs, but he still finds time to dial. You know, you've got the wives and the guilt rings. You've got, the, you know, and the kids that turn up that, that, that enjoy themselves. But, you know, the number one fans, I suppose, really, are, are the guys that are putting all the effort in and, and keeping it running and, and come up with the idea in the first place, which is, you know, called Stuart. And then, you, you know, John Jamie, Tony, Dan Andreas. They're the, they're the real, you know, the, the fans that are driving it forward. And it, it, it's it's how can I describe it, it's, 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 it's just like a little unit, everybody wants the same thing, you've got no one going off in a different direction, um, it's, you know, we're we're all Arsenal fans, but it's not an instead of, you know, there seems to be a misconception that it's an instead of, it's not, it's an as well as, you know, we all want Arsenal to win, so we, we, we've got that connection as well, Um but if you're going to come down, I think you're going to enjoy the personal side of it as well. You know, we ain't got players walking through, you know, with their headphones on that won't torture because they're too focused. You know, we, we haven't got uh, someone who will sit up in the executive box, you know, and then disappear for four months, you know, on some Caribbean island. We haven't got, you know, people screaming that the manager gets sacked or anything like that. It's just everyone together, all with this vision, all wanting the same thing and the same result.
1: And obviously, we're talking about uh, games here. Farncombe on Saturday. Uh, what are your sort of hopes for that game, and what, how do you sort of see that playing out?
2: I think this is going to be a good game. It's it's they're second in the in the table at the moment. Um, it's going to be different from the from the first game. The first game we came out of blocks firing on our on our first game of the season. Um, they're going to they're going to want to stay in the second place. I'm sure a few of them remember the flag that went up in their pub. Um, and they they'll be eager to give us a good game. I'm sure they will, but if you look at our last two games, our players have had a nice long rest now. They should be nice and fresh and, and eager to get back on the pitch. Um, I think we'd be too strong. And I'm I'm gonna stick my neck out. I'm gonna go up for a 4-0. And I'm also gonna say someone else is gonna open their account. Not the Yeah, it's gonna be someone someone new on the score sheet.
1: I'll bring Chris in as well. Chris, uh, what, what's your score prediction?
2: Yeah, 17 last time, wasn't it? I reckon. It's going to be a
0: bit tighter. I think I think we can get a clean sheet. I'm going to go... I think, I think it's going to be a close game. But they, they've won five, lost two, haven't they? One point behind dial square. I think I'm going to go
1: 2-0. I think I, I'll, I'll put my neck on the line. I'll go, go with 4-0 because um, I'm hoping for a clean sheet for, for a reason that uh, Dave's about to speak to. So I'll pass on to Chris and he'll, he'll ask the question.
0: Yeah, I think we've got a special thing you do for clean sheets, don't you, Dave?
2: Yeah, I was, it was It was about a time when the players, like they put out um, any players that wanted sponsorship. And I wanted to try and do something, but, you know, I ain't got a firm or, or my own business or anything to sponsor it with. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. And it was one of the pre-season games. I, after the game, I was talking to Zach, the, the, the keeper. He's a, he's a cracking young leg and a, and, a, and a really good keeper. And I thought uh, what I'd do, I'd sponsor him to keep a clean sheet. And every time he did, I'd, I'd, I'd give a donation to Woking Mind, 12 um, Square's chosen charity. And you know, I'd also put in a little bit more if he if he saves any penalties. And I, I put it on Twitter. I think one of my donations went on Twitter, and it, it weren't to say, you know, this is what I've done. It was to try and encourage a few more people. You know, if you want to, to get involved with this very worthwhile charity. They do a lot of a lot of good work down there, and they'd be grateful of any donations. So, yeah. yeah, as many, as many clean shirts as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. No pressure now. Got to keep the clean sheets because it's yeah. a great gesture from you, Dave. And also, we would encourage um, other fans to do it as well because it's great work of mine doing na- nationwide. And yeah, really encourage you to keep doing it. You've spoken about your passion for sport, your passion for football, your passion for Arsenal and Dial Square throughout. More interestingly, you've got a passion, I guess, to make people more aware how to deal with if they experience strokes you'll sadly experience a, a very life-threatening stroke and you wrote a book about it for anyone that are struggling um, or have experienced a stroke or know people have do you want to talk about your book uh, the world through one eye um, and just yeah. give people an insight into it
2: yeah i'm i'm you know a sort of in a football and me and me day to day i'm officially an internationally published author um i had i had a bit of bad luck about seven years ago now i had a, i was at work and i had a major stroke and it would it, it they only give me 24 hours to live at one point you know it, it, it was curtains i was i was unconscious for about 11 hours and i, I obviously made a, a, a recovery you know i was very 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 lucky i had a lot of things going for me that, that could have easily gone the other way but as I was recovering, I was trying to work out things like, you know, how long does this last? Is this normal, et cetera? And there was nothing I could find in what I call layman's terms to help me. I'm sure there's stuff out there, but I couldn't find anything. So I can remember absolutely everything. I can remember having it. I can remember waking up. I remember me recovering. Obviously, I don't remember the, the bit I was unconscious, but I decided to write about it. And hopefully other people that are going through a similar struggle, you know, they can they can read it and... And, and try and draw off bits that relate to them to make it a little bit easier, you know. And I've had people come up to work up up in my work and shake my hand and say, "Look, thanks. This, you know, I had real trouble, you know, describing to my family how I felt and what I went through. But your book has helped me do that. You know what? I've I've, I've it's sold on four continents. It's, you know, JK Rowling's got nothing to worry about. You know, it's certainly a bit a little bit of pocket money here and there. But the the the, the the people that come up to me and say thank you that's worth more than any pound note. that's why I did it. It, it it was to help and and to try and get people to relate to things because it is a real pig as you're recovering it's so so hard and it's such a long recovery um so yeah that's why I did it yeah thanks Dave so definitely there you go
0: the world through one eye hey, listeners um if you've experienced stroke you know people have listened um, had a stroke um, yeah read it it's a great read it's it changed people's lives as dave's um talked about and that's why i wrote it so please yeah go ahead amazon's got it on maybe other booksellers as well give it a listen but dave very thank you very much for sharing about that and sharing about your thank love you. of dull square it's I, been I, great I to have, have to, you I, on i do
2: have to add one thing sorry to interrupt you i do have to add one thing i always have to give this as a little disclaimer i've written it very honestly so it doesn't there's not a lot of medical terms but a lot of plain anglo-saxon so it has got it has got an age restriction on it. If you know what I mean, Please yeah. Uh, I Wrote it honestly, so you can imagine what that sounds. I'm sure if you met Dave down
0: at Dal Square or you've seen him at some games, you'll know how the book's written. It'll be in his style. But yeah, give it uh, give it a read if you've got time. But Dave, very thank you very much for sharing all about your lower football, uh, your book, the, what you do for mine charity in terms of the clean sheet. Now, no pressure. Saturday, guys, 2pm. Let's keep a clean sheet. Big game against Farcham. Got to get the win. Looking forward to having a podcast next week and hopefully reviewing a victory. See you next week.